Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and eBooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. And first of all, can I wish everybody a happy new year? This is going out early in 2024. Hooray! And um, it's been a fascinating year so far. And this time we've decided to do the podcast different way. We've had quite a lot of questions in sent to us over the uh, the last period of time. I think lots and lots of podcasts are doing questions. So my colleague in crime, Paula, has just joined me to um, to sort and sift through things. So first of all, welcome to the podcast, Paula. Hi, hello, Russell. And lots of people will know your name, won't they? Because lots of people who book our guests, who do our um, admin, who follow up on our social media, could talk to you all the time. They very rarely hear your voice. You're hidden away behind the scenes normally. Yes, that's the way I like it, I think, actually. So. There's a song like that. That's the way I like it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> that's a very old song. <laughs> it is. Well, I am a very old person. But I mean, it's time to you to spring in, into the spotlight and um, let's have a look at some of these questions. Just, well, I think we'll deal with three or four of them, just see how we get on and what time takes. How yeah, there's, there's quite a variety of things that come in from, from different people. So if we sort of kick off with something which actually is quite current at the moment, um, there is a lot of um, a lot of stuff around toxic resilience. And in actual fact, this is something that some, one of our listeners in Boston was ask, asking about James. And he really wanted to know, is, is, there, is there really such a thing as toxic resilience? That's a brilliant question. Thank you, James. Uh, right. Well, the first thing I'd say is what I wonder what people mean by toxic resilience. I think what people are thinking is that organisations expect people just to sort of use the phrase man up to get strong, to stay strong, to to almost become quite rigid or uh, um lose their flexibility because all we want you to do is to be there and do your job and stop moaning and and actually we're going to buy you resilience training so you know how to do that and and of course i think what people are saying when they say toxic resilience is actually what they're talking about is toxic leadership because actually resilience is a competence that you develop as a human being that allows you to have the energy you need to do the job in hand and there are two things about resilience it gets consumed do the, during the day through the amount of work you do and the amount of setbacks you have and the amount of grit and energy and determination you need to use. And then when you run out, you do what you call bouncing back, which has an element of learning within it. So the whole process of resilience is is actually about learning and thriving and growing and maximizing your potential. So it can't be toxic. So the thing which is toxic is the expectation. 
And this is the problem, isn't it? Because often we confuse pressure as being an internal, as being an external thing. But actually, what leaders do is they put external pressure on people, and toxic resilience becomes part of their expectation. They expect people just to be able to cope and thrive all the time. The trouble with coping and thriving all the time with a poor leader is that your ability to constantly regenerate that energy you need to do the job in hand sort of dissipates over time. Or especially if you have even a half decent leader and you're working in a really bad system where the sort of quality, the work you have is relentless in front of you. You just can't, you can't replace or regenerate that energy fast enough. And so the, the energy disappears. And I think a lot of um, leaders talk about toxic resilience because people, they expect people to work without expressing emotion or something or expressing an opinion. And I think what you get there is literally toxic leadership. So for me, there is no such thing as toxic resilience. I just think what you have is toxic leadership. And what we know about toxic leadership is it generates what we call burnout. Burnout is a workplace condition defined by the WHO. And it is about losing, being completely overwhelmed, completely overburdened, which is a leadership problem. And it's about actually being so overwhelmed that you lose your ability to care. And actually you feel stretched and drained because you're tired. And of course, and that is a classic symptom of not having the energy you need to do the job you need to do. So you can see how the two things come together and you can mm-hmm. see how a leader would think, let's have more investment and resilience so we can stop burnout. And of course, we have that problem where all these terms start to swill together and people lose their meaning. So for me, no such thing as toxic resilience, but there is toxic leadership. And um, sometimes you have decent leadership, but within a toxic system or a toxic culture. And I think that's a different thing altogether. Resilience is great. It has no downside and um, it's simply a competence. How about okay. that, James? Okay. Would you disagree or agree from all the work we've done together? What, what do you think? Well, I, I tend to tend to agree with with what you're saying. I mean, toxic resilience is just some a term that just seems to sort of popped up fairly recently, following on from things like sort of toxic positivity, um, mm. whatever. And there's obviously there's a great sort of crossover between the two. I think. Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? How people come up with these. It's it's almost like someone's written a book somewhere, haven't they? And they've coined the term, and the term's quite new and novel, and it's stuck. And it's a bit yeah. like. Resilience is already going down that semantic degradation path that stress went down and mental health went down, which it, it ends up meaning nothing. We're not careful. And okay. it doesn't help that resilience is actually defined as two things already. So now it becomes just a load of old swag used to sell a bunch of books which are not about resilience. In fact, we've had guests on this podcast who've talked about the fact that resilience isn't a good thing to have and they don't like the definition. And then they talk about a different word, which means resilience. And how they think it's great because it's in their book. I mean, call me old-fashioned, but that's it. maybe I'm being a bit cynical. <laughs> On that cynical note, um, <laughs> as you were talking about leadership, we did something else has actually asked us about leadership. Um, again, it's like a really wide-ranging area, isn't it? But um, we've got a chap called Gary who's based up in Edinburgh, Ooh. and he's sort of asking about what is really the best type of leadership. I mean, obviously, there's masses of different types. Um, You've obviously just typed on, um, touched on the toxic type. <laughs> so, where you know, what would you think for all the different styles would would actually be the best way of leading people? It's it's really challenging. I always think what you have to do is you have to adjust the style to the person that sits in front of you. So what a leader has to figure out is how to get how they work to get the best out of the people around them. 
and that's what a leader does. And actually, there's a combination of leadership, which is setting a vision and a sense of where we want to go, with a bunch of management stuff, which is how we get there and what the plan is and how we manage performance on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, we talk about leadership all the time, forgetting management, which is really the bit that makes it happen. So there's a lot of old baloney about leadership. But for me, leadership is about giving something people to follow. In terms of toolkits, I mean, I learned situational leadership many, many, many years ago. I've never found anything better, which is you've got someone sitting in front of you who needs to do a job. Do they have the competence, the confidence and the willingness to do that job? And you adapt what you have to say to that person based on those things. For me, again, that works and it allows you to be a really adult leader. And in our own book, or the book I'm writing, or sort of we're writing, really, when I take all the glory <laughs> while you still all work, um, you know, we talk about this idea of fluidic leadership, this ability to change, to be able to to know where you are rock solid in your view, know where you could be a bit more liquidic or fluidic or fluid, and know when you can sort of be sort of airy fairy and sort of free and all over the place type of thing. And and what and what matters there is what do you need to do to get the job done in that moment in time. And it's how you have professional conversations with people where I think you just deal with people as adults in front of you. Yeah, you're going to have disagreements because that's the nature of business because there's no one or right right way to do it. So for me, it's about having professional conversations. What I hate is this business in leadership where we actually start on people like treating people like they're children. So I always tell this coaching story about how I sat in a room once and listened to a coach taking a call from a child who he was telling to grow up and be a man, and they were 11. And the coaching yeah. and the coaching subject was about how he wouldn't tell their 40-year-old at number two had a problem with their performance because it might hurt their feelings. And it's like you treat your, some people treat their kids like yeah, adults yeah. and their adults like, you know, and that's the bit for me. You, you need to be working in the adult all the time and have a, a more fluid approach for me. So what we're basically talking about is leadership has to be a very adaptable process. Yeah, it's driven around the needs of each of the party and the situation in hand. I mean, if you've got, it's that classic thing, isn't it? If the, if, you know, the airplane, who was the J- J- Japan Airlines thing came down the other day uh, and Haneda Airport. I mean, you don't sit there having a conversation and a discussion, you know, voting on what you, whether you should get off. Someone takes the leads and shout, shouts and screams. You don't worry about hurting people's feelings. You get out <laughs> and do it because... It's always a combination of the task in hands, the resources you have available and the time, which includes the time and the, the level of risk or se- severity. And, you know, I mean, I know it's a stupid example, but it's it's the point, isn't it? I mean, if someone's getting off and saying, you've offended me and shouting at me to get off the aeroplane, I don't think anyone's going to have much 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 truck with it. But, I'm um, certainly not. <laughs> no, and, but, uh, and I, think, I think that's the thing, isn't it? We, f- we forget as leaders and managers when we've got time and we do faux consultation. So we ask people what they think and we don't really, I'm not really interested in their view. You know, how many 360 degree feedback sessions have we, have we run, facilitated, talked through, seen the results of where actually the leader's the, ball, the leader's the issue and they just say, well, actually we're doing this to persuade everybody else that we're wrong and we've consulted. It's just, you know, it's just hopeless. Figure out what you want, figure out the person in front of you, figure out the situation in hand and, and make it work. Yeah, I mean, I know I've certainly read fairly recently um, about some some stats about the issues that people have with their with their leaders, and it certainly is is a sort of growing problem amongst a lot of workforces that the the issue is it's not the job or or the workplace or what it's actually their their leader. 
that's yeah. that's the the bugbear. That's what's what's causing causing issues. Yeah, um, you know, I think that's really interesting, isn't it? I think people tend to leave jobs. Sorry, people tend to leave people rather than companies. So you can work yeah. for a great company, a terrible company, I mean, but you've got a great boss, and so you stay, yeah. and vice versa. Yeah. And, and we know that because you'll see people who leave a company and they'll take their team with them. Yes. You know, that's happened time after time after time again. Um, but also what you also see in our world is that we have people who are, have run organisations and they have a constant stream, like a conveyor belt of people. And and HR very rarely look at the leader and say the leader's the problem. What they all say is, oh, it's a fault of HR because we've recruited badly or we or we've not yeah. done the performance management system or, or we're trying to address the thing up. No one sits down with the leader and says, you know, it's time, it's time you were moved on. And the trouble is with a lot of small organizations, is sometimes the leader is the big biggest shareholder. Yeah. You know, that, that is, that's, and that's where people like me come in to go into organizations and say, you know, you're, you're affecting the ability of your own company to thrive because you as a leader are poor at what you do. Okay. Well, I'd probably, well, hopefully. That's... that's just a rant, wasn't it? Sorry. <laughs> well, it, it might, it might, uh, might help Gary in a way. <laughs> Let's hope so. But, um, okay, let's have a look. What else have we, we've been asked recently? Um, okay. Um, what, what do you think um, is the difference between resilience and adaptability? Do you think there is a difference between resilience and adaptability? That is a really good question. And again, we'll come back onto semantics and terms, don't we? Yeah. So adaptability is your ability to change, weave, and literally adapt in the moment, which I think is a mindset thing. Uh, resilience for me is having the stamina to weather the storm when things are going wrong, which also, so for me, adaptability is a subset of resilience. So if you're resilient, you'll tend to be good at adapting because you're good at learning. And years ago, I think it was David Curtin, A-I-R-T-O-N. I don't know if it was David, certainly Curtin. Gustav? Never mind. My memory of names is always terrible. Um, he talked about the difference between innovating and adapting. And adaptability is this idea of saying, let's do this differently. Let's just do this differently. And that's mindset. Because if you sit there going, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. Then you're sort of lost. So for me, adaptability is about how you change in the moment, how you experiment, do things differently. And resilience is that it sits within the resilience bucket of how you actually weather the storm and have the energy you need to have to be able to manage the task in hand. So being able to adapt and think differently and move your head and change your perception of things is part of your adaptability, which is part of how you generate energy. Okay. Right. Clear as mud. Say again? Clear as mud. <laughs> well, no, no. So, okay. Just to, to tie things up for, for, to, for today. Um, just one more question, which actually is sort of really from, from me, I guess. Um, 2024, how do you see it going? What Do you have any sort of particular expectations of what, what's going to happen or what, what, you, what you want to achieve or, or just generally in the world of work? Blimey. Um, is this you thinking about pay rise time again? <laughs> well, now you mention it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, what do I think? Well, I think one of the most exciting things at the moment is AI. And I think mm -hmm. um, I think people who encompass it, jump onto it, will realise actually it's a lot less than people are banging on about. So what we've got is a big fear-mongering, deep fake issue 
which is one, it's a bit like having a gun and a bullet, isn't it? You know, a gun doesn't have to be a, a terrible, it doesn't have to kill people. A gun can just be something to keep your door open with. Yeah. And the thing with AI, AI could be a massive tool. And I think um, a massive advantage, and I think AI's best use will be how people use AI rather than AI using us people. I think we're away from that yet. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. I think that's great. I think it gives us a whole new paradigm to think about the world. The best, I mean, the other thing is we've got a lot of elections this year. Um, oh, yeah. I think, um, I think in the whole world, we've got the largest number of elections of all time. Yeah, uh, I was listening to something the other day and, and they was, I can't remember what the numbers were, but it's absolutely huge. huge we've yeah. already had a couple, haven't we, I think? Yeah. And we've got this tension between populism and liberalism in the world, which I think is fascinating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's there's going to be a, a UK, a UK um, what's the word, election? And I think... And it doesn't really matter what the result is in a funny sort of way. I think sometimes change is good. I mean, I have my own political views, which are neither here nor there for this. But I do think whatever happens, it'll be the opportunity to vent and to, to have a sort of cathartic period of um, of change, whichever party it is. I mean, the current Tory party have already changed three times in the last two years, haven't they? And they've, told, <laughs> they've talked about how terrible things were in the past and their own government and then brought those people back. So including Dominic Cummings. I mean, who, yeah. who thought... Yeah. He's being sounded out for a job again. So I think I think my capacity to look at the world of politics uh, is absolutely. And, and I think I think as I get older, I find politics more and more fascinating, and um, and more. And you see the ironies in it. I think, uh, and you see how things have changed. I was watching a very old Yes Prime Minister, our Yes oh, Minister, wow. the other day, yeah. and it is just the same now. All the all the. Corruption, connivance, carry on. Ooh, three C's. Um, <laughs> it was ju- it was just it was meant to be funny then, and then you look at the thick of it, and it's all now happening for real. It's a bit like in Star Trek, how we it pres- you know um, it presaged the idea of the, the 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 walking phone and the transporter and all that sort of stuff. It's almost like these comedy programs have set the template for what's going to happen. You know, that's a really interesting thing. I think Malcolm Gladwell talked about this idea that the reason that Americans disrespect the police is the way that police dramas are, pres- are the way that police are presented in popular culture on television. Okay. So police, you know, are either seen as idiots because that's why investigators have to come in and do the job, or they're seen as corrupt, or they're seen, you know, or they're seen as too strict. Or, and it's almost like the police have become the the um, the representation of what the media said they were. And it's almost like in our country that politicians have become the representation of the most extreme things that Black Mirror thick of it. Yes, Prime Minister. Spit <laughs> had to say. I mean, I'm surprised they're not all singing the chicken song together. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, I can remember that. <laughs> so I always look forward to the year because actually I think what you do is you go through, you extract enjoyment from the year, whatever you're doing. And as you know, I'm on holiday in two weeks. So, you know, oh, that's yeah. all I'm thinking about. That's my holiday. I shall be heading off and doing very little except <laughs> having a bucket with my brain pogged in it for two weeks. <laughs> But you're not going for a couple of weeks, so. No. <laughs> so, well, thank you very much for that. What about you, Paula? What about 2024 for you? Anything exciting on the on the horizon? Oh, I um, I tend to avoid resolutions and uh, revolutions of any <laughs> of any sort. So, um, no, I don't tend to go down go down that route. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it being quite a quite an interesting year. Certainly, um, coming back to your you're talking about elections and, and politics, certainly what's going on in this country and obviously in the States and whatever is going to be really fascinating. Yeah. So. Well, look, 
thank you for all you've done for me. I've enjoyed this episode. Perhaps we'll do another one of these again soon. Yeah, I mean, if anybody has got any questions, then feel free to fire them in and then we can obviously maybe pick them up at a later date. Yeah, and you can send us to info at qedod.com. Okay. See you on the next Bye. one. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed, and if you're in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com, then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.